Hello, welcome to the Nintendo Bros Podcast. This is Pete. And this is Derek. And we're back to talk about Nintendo video games and everything life. <laughs> everything life, exactly. Video games are life, so that's the trick, right? I mean, we're talking about life, you're talking about video games. That's how I'm feeling recently. I've been playing a lot of games recently, so it's, I've been feeling that. Video games are life, dude. The only reason I get up in the morning and go to work is to make money for video games. The only reason I eat is to survive to play more video games. So yeah, sometimes I like the reason I know I'm gonna get through like you know tough times at work or something is like oh in three months this game comes out so I can I can make it till then. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh I can should, uh, should I commit suicide today? No, there's a new Zelda coming out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into it, Derek. Because we have an exciting topic today. It's Mario. RPG, mm-hmm. Legend of the Seven Stars, subtitle dropped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, last time we spoke, this game hadn't come out yet. We were kind of excited about it. Um, this is a game that we probably over the course of like a 10 years of podcasting, we could be hyping for and wanting and dreaming of. And now it's here. It's in our Switches. We both played it. Um, so, Derek, uh, let me start just by saying I haven't beaten it yet. Okay. Um, but I don't know. How, I don't know if you need to be like super spoilerific. Like, obviously, we we know about the post game editions, and I think most listeners do too. So, don't be too sensitive about it. But just know that just a precursor. I haven't beaten it. I'm just at the uh, the pirate ship part. Okay, yeah. So I won't tell you that you unlock Luigi as the sixth character or whatever. Okay, well, uh, you ruined that already. Um, <laughs> it is weird how Luigi... It does remind me... It is interesting. That's one of the thoughts I had playing it. I'm like, where's Luigi in this game? I think he has a cameo. But it's just interesting how later on Luigi becomes like such a staple character. And like pre-Luigi's Mansion, he really wasn't, right? Like he was really kind of a sidekick. Yeah, he's in Mario 2 and then... Because, like, you know, he's just an alternate color for even, like, the original Super Mario Bros. Yeah, and, I mean, he's really just a, a you know, he's really just, like, in other, he's in Mario Kart, he's in Mario Parties, but he didn't really get his own time to shine until GameCube. But anyways, Derek, I want to yep. hear your thoughts about Mario RPG, because this is one of your... The first Mario RPG ranks as, what, one of your top five games ever, right? Uh, top three, even, I think, yeah. Maybe top five. I mean, you know, lists are always changing. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely up there in the... Uh... That one of my favorite games of all time for sure. So yeah, it's I on, it's I, on my top fifty for sure. Yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, like I have maybe a list of like top twenty five. It's definitely on there. I think it would be top five, but you know I haven't been so picky about that. But yeah, so I've I've beaten the game. I have a hundred percent of the game except for like maybe two little side quests that are really really time consuming and I just not going to bother with. Okay. Um, I I loved it a lot. Like I you know. It is really true to the original, so that, you know, again, as a fan of the original, um, it felt nice to play this. It was kind of like a comfort food, you know, like I knew to expect, I knew the story, I knew the bosses, I knew like all the power ups, the levels, how how the story went. Um, so it was really nostalgic for me, like you know, like we haven't talked about the nostalgia factor. This is uh, this is one of the yeah. games that really <laughs> gave that to me. Um, I will say though, like the you know, I I don't think this is gonna be my game of the year, even though it's one of my favorite classics of all time um just because you can really feel the age of the game um you know if i think about even other rpgs i played this year or like octopath traveler 2 or um just other games that i played this year you can see the the if you, if you really look yeah you can see the age if you look behind the kind of the the, the nostalgia screen you know 
there's not a lot of variety in the combat. Um, the special moves aren't really differentiated enough to use them all. The enemy variety is pretty good, but again, the game's kind of simple. The story is, is one of the shining parts of it, and I think the music as well. Like the re, the redone music is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, overall, like I, I loved it a lot. But it's not gonna be my game of the year. I don't know if if I say this replaces the old original on SNES. Um, I, I don't think it does. Um, just because, like, again, some of the small changes I don't love. And, you know, I had to keep that nostalgia factor of the original intact. So this one kind of just doesn't have that. Um, the, the other thing that, like, I really didn't like with this game, not that I didn't really like about it, but it is much easier than the original. I know a lot of people online are kind of debating it. It's, 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 the original was is really Is it actually easy. much easier, Derek? Let me just say, I, I'm finding the game incredibly easy. Like, like almost... Almost it bothers me how easy it is, um, but I also can't tell if that was just because I'm a more experienced gamer now than I was I, in 1996. So. I think this game is much easier, um, even without the triple moves. Um, I find like the AOE timing attacks makes it a lot easier, and um, I find the bosses just don't have the same kind of damage output. Like I remember playing in, uh, you know, with you back in the Super Nintendo back in the day. Like even though we were younger. You know, there are bosses, like, I don't know where you are if you've gotten to the, you said you passed the pirate ship, but I remember, you know, Johnny the shark beating us. Like, like there were times where he would beat us and we had to try it again or multiple times or go and level up. Or we'd, you know, go and, I'm thinking of, you know, in the volcano, you haven't got there yet, but like the Axum Rangers. I remember that being like a hard stop where we couldn't beat the five Axum Rangers. Yeah. Um, and you'll fl you'll fly through it this time. Even the final boss, I did it in one go. And I remember that, that day, you spent like, couple hours playing that final boss over and over again and kind of refining how to beat him i remember that in the when you beat him for the first time yeah. um yeah so this game is a lot a lot um easier it makes me really you know it makes it obvious in my mind that it's a glaring omission from the hard mode of not having a hard mode um like especially the post-game bosses like you know f there's six of them the first five are pretty fun like they're not necessarily hard um they do pack a better punch. They're more like what I would expect. There's only six post-game bosses. I thought there'd be more. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of bosses in this game. Yeah, it's just a, a select few of them. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's six of them. They're the first five are pretty. They're like what I would expect from a hard mode, as those would be like the regular bosses in a hard mode. Um, they're pretty good. Um, but it's a little gimmicky at times, but nothing, whatever. But the final post-game boss. I don't know if you want me to tell you who it is. But the final post game, uh, no, don't. Okay, is to me was the the crown of the whole game, and it's like the best addition to the game. Um, it it required everything, like from using a whole bunch of items to like almost running out of items to like swapping party members to using different triple attacks to um, getting timed hits for normal attacks versus time hits for specials. Looking at weaknesses, like it it really took everything, and it just made me feel like, oh man, that that was such an awesome fight. I can't believe they didn't have a difficulty that made it feel like that for every boss. Um, yeah, um, and the thing that I'm I'm really curious about is uh, like, what's the breezy mode then? <laughs> like, so I mean, the breezy mode, I don't, I honestly don't know what it is. Like, I played it a bit um, when I was trying to do this the hundred jump challenge. I'll talk talk about that in a second. But I I switched to the breezy mode, and the enemies die so quickly. Like, and they do no damage to you at all. Like, it's so easy. And I think the timings. Um, at least for blocking in my mind, like getting that perfect block, um, it's easier, easier. So like, 
talking about the hundred jumps, um, I don't know if you know this, but like there's a a yeah, character you jump in, a, a jump rope or something a hundred times, right? No, you so you do the super jump move on Mario, and if you hit an enemy a hundred times without a mistake, you unlock the best armor in the in the game. Um, if you do if you do thirty times in a row, you unlock the best accessory in the game. Um, so I, as a child, knew about this, and when I played on, I want to say like the Wii or Wii U Virtual Console, I tried to do this. I spent a lot of time trying to get the hundred jumps. Could never do it. So this game, I was like dedicated. I was like, I'm gonna get the hundred jumps. And before I even entered Booster Tower, I went back to the first area and I grinded maybe for like two, three hours just to get this. And I and I was like, it's the it's the kind of thing where you have to be almost be pixel perfect. And mm. after like tw- after like thirty jumps, like your mind and eyes kind of lose focus, and you're like not even seeing the the animations anymore. You're like looking at a blip of of shadow that blinks, and you're like timing it to the blink. Yeah. And it's like such, it was like kind of a weird mind trip, but um, I did end up getting it. So for me, that was like a childhood goal finally accomplished. Nice. So that that felt really nice. Um, but yeah, overall, really liked the game. Um, hard mode. The final boss is amazing. Music is amazing. Performance is whatever. Too easy, and I wish they had a hard mode. Yeah, I mean, um, I I really am surprised there's not a hard mode. Um, but I I wasn't sure as I was playing it. Um, if there were certain things that were just making it easier, like the fact that this now I, I'm more uh, I played a lot of games, so the idea of like healing yourself in a mid middle mid battle didn't feels normal. Where I think when I played Super Mario RPG as a kid, it was like it just I don't know. It was like it was like the training wheels for an RPG. Um, but all, the other thing now I've noticed is the battles are so fast, like the load times and and the speed it takes to get in and out of a battle is so quick that. Um, I feel like now when I come into an area, I'm like, well, I'll just clear every single enemy here. Where back in the day, I would have maybe tried to skip some of the enemies because the battles felt longer. So I, I wasn't sure if I was just leveling up too quickly. And I've now tried to start to like skip enemies to make it a little harder. What, um, some, people are, what some people are doing, which you might find interesting, is you can unequip armor or equip a lower level armor. So your characters just don't have armor. And they'll just take more damage. So it's a little bit, bit more thoughtful with what you do. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I I didn't do that, but yeah. But but some of it's just like muscle memory, right? Like I like I played through the first chunk. I mean, I'm I just memorized. I had that first chunk like almost muscle memory out, where mm-hmm. I know the moment I get back to Mushroom Kingdom, I go into the store and I upgrade everything. Like there's little moments that I'm like, oh, I know to go here to get these items now. Like it's kind of like you know when the the time is to upgrade where. If I was playing the original game, especially as a as a little kid, like I might just completely not understand the idea of equipping things right away. So, I don't know. It really is like a beginner's game. Um, but I I agree that at least a hard mode where the enemies pose a little more challenge, where I'm having to spend a little more money on mushrooms and heal a little more. And yeah, use I, I think I, I would appreciate that. And I'm really surprised it's it's not there. And I actually would. Would like if they added it as a DLC option. Yeah, two two more things I just I, I forgot while you were talking to add is agree agreed on the DLC. But some things that I did like were um, even though I don't know if this made it more easy because it was so accessible, I liked the quality of life change of having your healing spells and your items accessible like at a as a mini screen in the world map. Same, Do, that's great because. Um, I don't know if you know this, like if you use a flower tab, it restore, it increases your max FP, but also restores it all. Absolutely. So, so you, you yeah. use them, you spare, you use them sparingly. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just use all my spells nonstop. Um, yeah. The HP other thing, rain, HP rain all day. 
Yeah, exactly. And the other thing I, I really liked um, is the addition of a... I don't know if this... I don't think this spell was in um, the original, or might have been actually, but it might have been... Um, now it's actually like a collectible where it's Mallow's um, like mind thought peak or whatever thought peak. Yeah, I got it early where you can yeah. like, get the enemy's um, like information about them. Yeah, so basically, I for the first time ever played with Mallow almost the entire game, which you know you, normally I I always played the game as Gino and Bowser. I just always did, and this time I played through as with Mallow and Peach. So my entire playthrough was really Mallow, Peach, and Mario, which is the complete opposite of what I always did in the art. Probably uh, the makes original. it harder because I believe Bowser and Gino are are better. <laughs> no, ba- Bowser's the worst character in the game. No um, kidding. Oh, really? Yeah, like absolutely worst. Um, like <laughs> by landslide. Um, but it was just fun. I was like, oh, like I'm using all of Mallow spells, which I've never used before. Um, it just was a nice kind of fresh change. And even Peach, you know, Peach is the best side character in the game, but I never really used her because, you know, as a kid, you don't pick healers, but she ends up being really good. So I had a lot of fun just kind of playing a different version of what I've always played. I've been playing with uh, Bowser and Peach, just having like the Mario team. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, ba- Bowser yeah, just his stats aren't good. Some of the things I'm I'm really liking about it because I feel like we've been a little negative is I find the um, just the U the UI and everything just feels really nice and snappy. Mm-hmm. Um, I find the presentation to be gorgeous. I mean, I am looking over the performance issues a little bit. Um, which, yeah, it's, it wasn't terrible, but it was noticeable. This kind of game, it really doesn't seem to bother me that much because the exploring the main world is kind of you know it, it is what it is, it's, and it's never slowing down in the battle itself. Mm-hmm. So it really didn't bother me that much. Like it didn't bother me as much as uh, a Link's Awakening because I to me this game and Link's Awakening have the same kind of stutter issue where it's a little bit of stuttering a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this game just didn't bother me. I hope that that gets ironed out in future switch two <laughs> versions or something yeah, because yeah. uh it'd be really smooth and i i um yeah of course the music's great um and yeah like you mentioned the writing being really good and I, the thing that, I, that threw me off is that um the writing is snappy and it seems like that's kind of a lost thing in modern games and i remember mm-hmm. playing tears of the kingdom and you're kind of like okay i'm gonna go to a town now and i'm gonna do my some town quest and you're like okay well i better get my reading shoes on because i'm going to be reading and going through dialogue a lot um, like it when... um it, it reminds me a lot of how some people talk about um like anime television shows where a lot of jrpgs or just rpgs in general do something called an exposition dump where it's a key oh, yeah. moment they just like over explain and reiterate and like talk about every enemy and like and, like recap everything and it's like this over exposition of like the story like it's like they didn't drip feed you at all or like leave some mystery to just explain everything at like a huge chunk moment where this game you're right it's like it's very quick and it's the other thing is like it's a simple story you know like collect the stars save save star road and get bowser's castle back and whatever where you know other rpgs have these like overarching complex stories these days where they need all this explanation where you know, this game one, it was quick, but I also like because it was so quick and simple, they could put a lot of kind of quirky, weird humor in it that really, I think, sells yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was going to say, like, I love that I can get to a town and almost read every character's dialogue in the town in, in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And you still get the taste of the town and what the characters are going through. And it's it's still, it's actually funny still. It holds up. I can't believe the writing holds up so well. 
And yeah. the um, little things, like when you get to Mushroom Kingdom originally, you find, is it, uh, I can't remember their characters, I think one of their names is Rain. It's the two toads that are planning to get married. Mm-hmm. And then you come back when the town's under attack, and they're like, well, we're going to delay the wedding. And then you go to, is it Marymore? And, like, they're um, they're pushed out of their, their, their wedding. <laughs> and then you go, and then they get married. So it's like, even though their text is so quick, you really feel like this world is alive through the way the characters progress over time. And, and seeing these characters change. I, I, I mean, I, I think there's a few more examples of that in the game, but it's just really clever and well-done world building without needing to have a ton of text yeah like there's a, a funny thing i didn't know this is i think in the original too but i didn't know this um i don't know if this is a spoiler for you or not but basically after you do the whole cloud city um if you go back to booster's tower and go to the very top where peach was locked there's a there's a like a hidden little story moment that I, that was really funny that i didn't know existed it was like i didn't know either i gotta do that anyway so beat beat this the castle city and then just go back up to the top of booster's tower Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm planning to beat this game and then probably like look online and and tackle some of those side missions that I never did as a kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, you should. Yeah, I mean, if you ever want to do the post game bosses, you don't need the hundred jump one, but you should get some of the other better items. Okay, um, but yeah, like overall, I'm I'm really liking it, and I'm really surprised by how well it holds up, and I think that. You're right. The original is still so great. It's like a. It kind of doesn't. It still holds up. But I think mm-hmm. that this one is a nice replacement. And I honestly, if they do go and decide to add like a little hard mode, and you know maybe they improve the performance on future iterations, like I think this will be the de facto way to play this game going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. Um, I think if just for me when I was you know rating it, just my nostalgia still holds true in the old. But I, I agree, like this is a, a great replacement. If I I don't think I'll go back to ever play the SNES one again, or at least for a long time, if I have this one. Um, yeah. You know, and I, you know, I just want to jump to kind of the question and discussion we had. I think last podcast is um, is is this opening a door for a possible Super Mario RPG two? And you know, like you're right, it was kind of lightning in a bottle, but I feel like there's there's something here. You know, you're saying the the quirky, quick snap story, um, the timed attacks really don't don't exist very often in a lot of games. Um, I think there's potential there, but it would be it would need a lot of like careful craftsmanship. I, I, I hope there would be a sequel. I, I think the other thing to keep in mind too, and I saw this uh, opinion online, so I'm kind of hijacking someone else's opinion, is that <clears throat> Super Mario RPG. Um, kind of captured that essence of JRPGs at the time, and that, the thing I love about it is that it feels like the the best are the best and most approachable RPG of that entire style. Not that I'm an expert of that style, but just that kind of Super Nintendo RPG, mm-hmm. where it seemed like Chrono Trigger and Mario RPG were kind of like the apex before we moved into a different form of JRPG with like Final Fantasy VII and, and stuff going forward. So it feels like it's kind of capturing this lightning in a bottle where it's like, let's take this I, this staple of what a, a Super Nintendo era a, a JRPG is and let's let's infuse Mario into it. So do we make a new Mario RPG where we hold true to that Super Nintendo isometric kind of approach? Or do we act, someone suggested, well, I'd like to see a modern Mario RPG that actually takes all of the modernized, uh, maybe, JRPG staples. Like, takes a little bit of the best parts of uh, Persona and Xenoblade and Final Fantasy VII Remake. And maybe they could make a really, really awesome 
Mario RPG using all the modern uh, staples of RPGs. And I think that'd be super cool in a way. Like, seeing a Mario RPG that kind of uses the visual style of something like a Mario Rabbids, but with the story story and uh, epic kind of... Um, epic stakes of a Final Fantasy, but also adding like a really wicked battle system that's using kind of like the animation style of something like the Mario Strikers games, where like you said, you know what I mean? Like it, there could mm -hmm. be something to really evolve this series. I just don't know if they can take Mario RPG, the one that we know and love, the one we're playing, and just like do that again. I, I just yeah. don't think so. I, I just don't think so, yeah. So I gotta say, the idea you just said sounds awesome. Like, I'd be down for even, like, even a game with, like, Smash Bros. kind of graphics, but it was, like, a turn-based, like, almost, like, as depth or deep as, like, a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Uh, that'd, that'd be cool. The, the thing I will say, though, just to counter that is a lot of indie games are coming out right now that are very similar in combat and style to the original Super Mario RPG and showing great success. Right, we have Chained Echoes that has like a 90 on Metacritic on Game Pass, sold really or really really popular. We have Sea of Stars that has the turn, uh, the timing kind of combat going on. Um, I think those games kind of show us that oh, Mario RPG could have a sequel in this kind of old school style um, and do do well. But I think you know I, I agree that your your new school idea also would work really awesome. And the last thing I want to say is. You know, just when we're talking about the potential of games because of this, I hope that this unlocks that idea of making Golden Sun 1 and 2 remake in the same kind of way they did this. Like, very true to the original. Because Golden Sun 1 and 2 are locked on their Game Boy Advance, and I feel like, you know, just like RPG, um, those games really deserve um, to get that kind of polish up. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Golden Sun come back, but I also know the Golden Sun on DS didn't do super well. So, and Camelot's kind of in a weird, you know, that a lot of their staff I think has turned over since then. So I just I just don't know if there's the the will to make a new Golden Sun, not a new um, one, just a remake. But even yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm always I'm wondering. I'm I'm wondering if it's like more in Nintendo's interest to make a brand new Golden Sun that's really awesome and revitalize the series than to, to remake something. Because, I mean, we saw how Advance Wars 1 and 2 remake did. It didn't do super well with the sales. So I don't know if there's a huge viability to high, to like, you know, high production value Game Boy Advance remakes. Mm-hmm. True, true. Um, and I think Golden Sun will require a lot more work than something like Advance Wars. Um, but I, I'm with you. Um, but I, I think the thing with Mario RPG, is kind of looping back to that... Um, I think it's a great remake, and I and I love it. I'm happy it exists, and it's better than I could have expected uh, if someone had told me pre-announcement that this was coming. So I am I am happy with it, but I do think there was a little bit of a missed opportunity. And, and you know, where I um, for our game of the years uh, awards, like sure, Mario RPG is like one of the best games ever, and it should be the top of my list. But I do kind of. There is an element of like, well, this is a remake. I played it before. I need to kind of prioritize the new experiences that define this year. That's but me I too, do, yeah. I, I do think it was a missed opportunity to not have a hard mode like we discussed, but also not having any additionals. Like, I would have loved just like a a side mode of like a you know Luigi's RPG adventure that was like a three hour thing, him running through a mansion or something like something to add to this experience, like they did with Xenoblade One. Or even like like um, like Mario 3D World, right? With the Bowser's what's it exactly. called? Exactly, uh, Bowser's Fury. So I yeah, I just, think just I, that side content. Yeah, 
I really would have loved that. And I know, like, the even the new Kirby uh, Return to Dreamland, which is a Wii remake on Switch, included a whole bunch of uh, additionals. So, I guess, I guess I was just a little disappointed that it feels like, okay, they, they got a, basically the remake done, but it just would have been nice if they were a little more ambitious with adding more for us, you yeah. know? Um, and again... The, those extra bosses are really fun and unique and like I'm like oh like it's so nice to play something new in this game um, I, ho- I hope you get to them especially the last one I, it might take a bit of time but um, it's it's worth it in my mind like it, it really show you like the potential that that it has cool yeah. okay I'm, I'm into that and that, that might be where it's actually so hard I'm not enjoying it uh, <laughs> but we'll see yeah um, I just want to, to uh, so Derek, you beat. Now, what would what would you give a final out of ten score for Mario RPG? Um, again, like you know, the original is a ten to me. I would probably give this like a, a high eight or a nine. Um, again, part of that's nostalgia. Part of that is this game is a really solid remake. It is really fun still. The story and the music hold up. Um, but again, it shows its age, right? It, this isn't two thousand nineteen ninety. Five or six. whatever, or the, yeah, ninety-six. Yeah. Like, uh, so it, it it shows that age, right? So I can't give it that same kind of score, knowing all the other amazing games are coming out um, that do have more refinement on those things that we didn't know we needed back then. So yeah, yeah. I, I'd give it a high eight, low nine. Yeah, I, I'd probably give it a, a. I mean, I haven't beaten it, but right now I'm looking at like kind of a pretty solid eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying it, but it is it does feel like I'm kind of just like playing a polished older game. Um, but yeah, it's great, and I, and I'll, I just love that Nintendo's recognizing this game again because it feels like it was one of those games like they just like the you know like the redheaded stepchild like they never wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I really I really hope that going into the Thousand Year Door because I had a big pro- my big problem with Paper Mario sixty four and Thousand Year Door is they're they're also way too easy and they were way too easy when I was nine years old so. I think that I would like those games to have a hard mode, or the, the Thousand Year Door remake to have a hard mode or a little more challenge as well. Because I, I, I mean, found that game really easy, and it's also, you know, your HP only gets up to like 30. So it's just like the, you the never, small numbers. Like, you never beat Thousand Year Door. I never beat, we, we never owned it. I just, I, I know, uh, but actually, that fi- the, final, the final stuff is pretty hard in that game. Okay, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing that one. Um, it's probably yeah. going to be uh, one of the last Switch games coming out this year, so... Next year, but next year, um, and Derek, Derek, I, I'll just final question for you. Uh, so we've had two big Mario games recently: Mario RPG and Mario Wonder. Which one would you put higher on your list for this year for your for your Switch list? Like, I, I know you're not like super uh, like in love with either necessarily, but like, which one would you rank higher, or like, which one which one do you prefer? Yeah. I'm not going to give a, a, a full answer to that yet, just because, you know, I want to say that for our Game of the Year list, and also, I honestly don't have a solid answer right now. Like, if I'm just thinking off the top of my head, there's that, again, that nostalgia, like, how can I not give that to Mario RPG? But there's also, like, man, Mario Wonder has a lot of good things. You know, I, I just beat Mario Wonder yesterday, so I've beaten both games and played a lot of both games in the past week or two. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't really say, and I really have to think about that more, because there's... There's things that I love about both, and how do I compare them? 
Yeah, it's a bit of a weird comparison. It's like, what do you like better, A Link to the Past or, you know, Breath of the Wild? Like, it's just yeah. kind of like, <laughs> exactly. well, what exactly. are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> to ruin my childhood? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Derek, I'm going to ask you a question in a vague way right now. Uh, okay, go for it. Because we, we usually, just so our listeners know, we usually wait till the, about the end of January for our Game of the Year awards, which, in my opinion, is the only logical way to do it, so we have extra time to play all the big games that we want mm-hmm. to. But... I'm not going to ask you what your top three game of the year list is, but do you know what your top three are, and do you think it has any potential to change? Uh, yeah, so let me just look at my game of the year list. Um, yeah, so I have I have two of the top three that are definitely um, in my top three. I know number one, I think, for sure, and I'm sure you can probably guess that. And I think I know number two, but that might drop to number three. Um, I have a number three in there right now, but there's a few games that I've I've recently played or am playing that might actually bump it out if I take more time to think about it. Um, but I definitely have two of my top three settled. How about you? Uh, I have my top three pretty settled, uh, like pretty really settled. And honestly, they were the three <laughs> that I kind of predicted would be my three because it almost mimics my actual top 100 list <laughs> pretty closely if you <laughs> replace Tears of the Kingdom with Breath of the Wild. Um, but um, I don't see those three changing order. Um, I think at this point, if the remaining games I plan to play this year, if any of those replaced any of these three, they'd have to like blow me away to an insane degree. So can, can I ask you a, a question on it without, I guess this is kind of spoiling your list a bit. Is one of your top three Metroid prime? Yes. Okay. Okay. I just didn't know if like, I know that's one of your favorite games and it was amazing. I just didn't know if you'd rank it high or not because it's a, a remaster and you're again, that newness factor. Well, the way, the way that I considered it was that, uh, I just like, how much I thoroughly enjoyed replaying it and how much, like, just how happy I am that that remake exists and how much the game holds up and how all the, I don't know, like, the, the nostalgia I might feel for Mario RPG is, like, tenfold with Metroid Prime. But mm-hmm. in Metroid Prime, like, I just, every time I play that, no matter if it's the original or the or the remaster, which is great, I'm just fully immersed into that world. And I fully believe that world exists in a way that doesn't feel like a... <laughs> I don't know. It's just hard. It's just like it's yeah, weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing to explain. Where like the game just feels like a real place to me. Um, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel with like Link to the Past. Yeah, I feel like that with Link to the Past. Yeah, and I, I sort of feel the same with like uh, Ocarina of Time a little bit. Like the space in my brain just exists as a real space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I know I'm kind of cheating a bit by by doing that, but I just think Metroid Prime uh, Remaster is. It's just such a great game, and like I always say, it's it's got like a mysticism to it, right? Like it's a mystical type of experience. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Derek, I just want to ask you that quick question. So I have another, I had another couple. Uh, well, anyways, let me just ask you the quick question: What what games do you still plan to play in twenty twenty three? While we're on the topic of game of the year. Oh man, I, I have I have a few. So, um, games that I'm playing like right now, trying to get through and beat. Uh, I have Octopath Traveler 2 that I'm almost done. I'm probably at like 85%, so I just want to finish that. And also Lies of P, I think I'm about 60%, so I want to get through those two games. Those are the two like big games that I really want to finish. Um, I want to try the new Mario Kart 8 Deluxe tracks. I haven't got to those. Uh, I just got invited to the Stormgate beta, so I know that game's not coming out this year, but I want to play that. Remnant 2 a little bit more. And then it comes to the games that are like full games that I haven't played at all that I really want to like try for 2023 game of the year list so i I have forespoken i know it didn't do very well but i want to give it a go see if i enjoy it i want to try will long 
Um, and then as far as the indie space, so those are kind of like two you know AAA games. Mm-hmm. But the indie space, uh, I wanted to try Cassette Beasts and Astral Ascent. Okay, cool. Yeah. How about you? Um, for me, on my list here, I've got Alan Wake Two and Armored Core Six are the two that I really, really want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to Mexico City for a month, so that's why I'm going to probably get them when I get back. I, I think Armored Core will be the first physical game I buy for for Xbox because I don't see myself feeling the need to keep it, <laughs> so I'll probably sell it <laughs> after. Yeah. Um, but uh, but. Alan Mike 2 looks spectacular, and I, I that's a digital game. So I'm, I'm really excited to play those those three and then p- complete the games I've already played. I might try to something else. Like, there's always indie games surprise me. You know, Dave the Diver I really want to try. Um, it's okay. I, I, I played a good chunk of it. It's pretty good, but it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. I just I find games like that that are like endless loop games don't really... They kind of bore me after a bit. I kind that's, of need that's something what I found about dis- this. discreet. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to try Alan Wake too. Like I'm, I'm just the idea of like a t- packed, tight, twelve-hour psychological horror game that has amazing graphics. Like I, I actually like I'm tempted to buy it like every day. I when really, you, really want it. When are you getting back from Mexico City? Uh, je- je- June 11th. June 11th. Sorry, January 11th. <laughs> um, um, so like we got to talk about like you know when our game of the year lists are actually going to be shared because you're only going to have so much time to play Alan Wake too. So just make sure you have time to actually play that. Well, game my or plan games. is that when I get back from uh, Mexico City, like I'll, I'm going to bring my Switch, so I'm going to have kind of polish off anything Switch related, and then when I get home, I'm going to uh, try to just crush Alan Wake and Armored Core Six in a in a short time frame. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I might end of, I Jan- might... End of January is usually our thing. I really want to play Alan Wake 2 as well. I might wait for a, like a kind of a sale. So I'm excited to hear your impressions and whether I should pull the trigger sooner or later. But yeah, it looks, it looks I, awesome. I, I, I just I also really want to support the developers because I know um, Remedy, they're just talented. And I just I love how creative they've been with Alan Wake 2 that I, I just want to support it. So I don't Did, did you ever play con- price. Control? I played the, the um, I did play the uh, cloud version on Switch. <laughs> Oh I played for about an hour of that um, just to test the cloud gameplay, um, and it was cool. I mean, it it, it felt like a, a Max Payne light, um, yeah. and I just didn't really like the like closed in kind of boxed environments. Just didn't really like. I don't I don't like the idea of the whole game taking place indoors. <laughs> um, mm. So I, I just something about the environment of Alan Wake too, and like the Vancouver style, like you know, or Portland or whatever, like wet wetland woods just it's such a cool environment yeah alan, um, alan wake 2 i think has won the same if not more game of the year awards right now as uh tears of the kingdom like like as far as how many different um like news games no like gaming news sites what game they pick for game of the year i think alan wake has five or six and so does uh tears of the kingdom and then Baldur's gate 3 has like 10 or 11 yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't see Tears of the Kingdom actually pulling ahead as the front runner game of the year. I think uh, I think Baldur's Gate three is is the front runner for sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy though. Like, imagine a year like again. We both love Tears of the Kingdom. Like to me, it's one of the best games of all time. But imagine a year where Zelda comes out, a, like a really good Zelda like this, and it's not game of the year. Like, imagine what the other game has to pull off to 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 dethrone that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a weird one though with Zelda because Tears of the Kingdom is a little bit like Majora's Mask, where a lot of the the newness of it has been we've already felt. Um, yeah. So I can see where that for some people will will 
bring it down a notch uh yeah, not just pe- like being a completely fresh experience people were saying if this was if there was no breath of the wild there wouldn't be a question about which game of the which one would win game of the year absolutely yeah and i think i think there's something to, to be said about boulders gate 3 and just it's just the way that game came out and the, the things it's doing that are new are really people are loving um but i have heard that boulders gate 3 is not the most refined game like it's got some polish issues yeah, the, um, I heard the the last cha- like there's three chapters or whatever there are three acts. The last act um, has a little bit of some performance issues. Um, yeah, it doesn't stop people some, from some people. That's but some people are saying no, that's really affecting my playthrough. Like I, I in you know where King yeah. of the Kingdom is like a basically a crashless game. So I, totally, I'm I'm just saying like people still are unbelievably raving about Baldur's Gate three. Like you know even perform even with performance issues or whatever like. People are spent. People are loving it. I just. I'm also, really excited. I'm really excited to play. Say, I'll also say that if if Baldur's Gate three came out in March or May, and Tears of the Kingdom came out in August September, I think you might. It might be different. Uh, I think there's a little bit of recency bias. Um, where Tears of the Kingdom kind of like was a big splash earlier in the year, but like now people have moved on to other things. But if Tears of the Kingdom came out in like November fifth. Like, I feel like it would be sweeping game of the years because it, it would have that, like, momentum it had for that first month or two. Remember when it was just, like, mm-hmm. all over TikTok, all over Twitter, everyone was making new vehicles. And so I, I just think that, yeah, um, a little early in the year, it, it's got the early in the year thing working against it. Yeah. I will say, like, I mean, I haven't played Bulger Gate 3, but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom to me is just a, I, I like I've said before, I, it's my favorite game ever. Uh, and the more time away from it that I go and I think back on it, I actually like it more. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I actually, I, it's, I'm the same. Yeah. It's not like other games where I'm like, ah, eh, you know, now that I'm kind of away from it, it's not as strong. This one's like, man, I almost kind of want to replay it. Like, it's just that, that some of those experiences in that game were just, uh, freaking epic and, and magic. And I, I would love for them to release like a extra DLC or a hard mode or something to inspire me to go back. But there's no... Definitely, I will replay Cures of the Kingdom one day, and it might be in 15 years, and it might be in 4K on Switch 3, but, like, I will revisit this game. I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, Derek, let's talk about some of our surprises and disappointments from 2023. So I had a kind of a four-question part here. I have biggest surprise and disappointment from Nintendo, and I've got biggest surprise and disappointed non-Nintendo. Let's do it. So let's start with our biggest surprise from Nintendo in 2023. Uh, and I, I I wrote a couple because I think you're gonna your answer is gonna be the same as mine. Um, um, do you, you want to go, go first, Derek? I'll go first. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I was gonna be the same. We'll see. So first, like the surprise factor of of like I wouldn't expect this to be called out at all or or like to drop is Mar RPG, of course. Again, yeah. like it just was blew my mind. Did not expect that. It, but no as far one predicted it. Yeah. No, exactly. But as far as a game that really kicked it up a notch in terms of quality that like surprised me and how good it was uh i actually give that to pikmin 4 so again Mm. i i I love the pikmin series and i i went in with high bars for pikmin 4 anyways but it just really hit every note for me i felt there was a lot of content there i liked the new pikmin i liked the levels i liked ochi um it just really vibed with me and you know i went in expecting more um like Pikmin three again, I, I I liked it a lot. It was my least favorite of all the Pikmin games. So I was like, ah, oh, if they're going down this path, I don't know if I'm gonna love Pikmin four. Like I think I'll just find it like a solid eight or whatever. Um, but Pikmin four again, just it just blew me away. I, I really really liked it. 
Yeah, you know, you know what it kind of feels like to me with Pikmin Four, and I'm still playing it. I, I I'm loving it, and then um, it's probably my favorite Pikmin game, other than my nostalgia for the first one. Mm-hmm. But with Pikmin One, it kind of felt like you got like a small dish of food that was really tasty. With Pikmin Two, it's like oh, you got a, another tasty dish of food, but it's a little more food, and you got a little side item. Then with Pikmin Three, you kind of got the same as Pikmin One, Pikmin Two. You got a good good dish of food. Pikmin 4 feels like I have a whole Thanksgiving table in front of me. <laughs> totally, exactly, um, exactly. I, I love the structure of it where it's kind of taken things like the, um, like, Olimar side adventure, the main adventure, and the night mode, as well as Dendori battles, and and makes them work in the structure of the game in a really cool way that works with the story of the game, but lets you play it how you want. Mm-hmm. And I'm loving now that I can take on a completely different mode. It, it doesn't feel like the um, nighttime, whatever they call it, mode is like some throwaway mode in the menu that you get a high score in. It feels integrated. It is integrated into the main story and game and, and, and like he- helping the rescuers. Like, I love that integration. Yeah. Um, and it just feels, I just love, it feels like it's never going to end. Like, I'm on day 55 and I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep going and going and oh my going. God. And, and um, I just, I really like it. It's a ga- great game to kind of like pick away at uh, over did, the year. Did um, you beat the 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 Olimar side story yet? No, no. Actually, I did a good half of it. And then I kind of went back and started hundred percenting some of the other stuff in the main story. You should finish that if you can, because it'll unlock okay. something. It'll unlock something else. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, that that I wouldn't say that was a surprise, um, but definitely Pikmin Three was the game that I'm like, whoa, this game turned out kind of better than I would have expected. I kind of expected like a pretty mum adventure, like a single player, you beat it, you're done, maybe a small side mode. And it just feels like they went all out mm-hmm, agreed. with content. And I love that they just chalked it full of content. I hope they had DLC. Um, my uh, runner-up, or sorry, my biggest surprise for Nintendo in 2023, and I, I put a runner-up because I've heard a lot of other podcasts talk about this, was, was The Depths in Tears of the Kingdom. Hmm. Being just a major surprise uh, that they went that big and that hard. And I loved exploring the depths. It is a completely new feeling. And finding the depths for the first time in Tears of the Kingdom, I had been spoiled a little bit. I'd read some of the spoilers. But to really go there and see it and the darkness of it and hear that on the on the horn, like it's such a great moment. So I thought the depths was freaking awesome. I know I, some um... people didn't like it, but I loved it. It's funny, like, like as far as spoilers go, I, you know, we had seen some leaked trailers or whatever, and some people had talked about, like, oh, they're being an underground. And in my mind, I was like, oh, like, those are caves. Like, you know, we, we can see some caves and, and whatever. And when I was playing, I was like, okay, there's caves, caves, whatever. Like, that's cool to explore a few of them. It was, it was a while until I got to the underground, and I didn't even realize that's what people were talking about when they meant, like, there's a whole third map. Like, that's just wicked. Oh, yeah. And, and um, you know, I can't. The number of times where I, I threw Tears of the Kingdom on, I'm just like, I'm just going to do some cave mining. Or some yeah. depth mining. Yeah. And it's I like just you, have, kinda... you have 45 minutes, you just want to want to do any story, you just want to get resources. Yeah, and it's just like such a great gameplay shift of kind of like a, like a yes, a little bit more mindless of an exploration. Um, but it just like, it was a nice refresher to other forms of gameplay. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, because, you know, there's a big difference between putting a Korok on a, on a vehicle and getting him up a mountain and like just running through the depths. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really cool. But my actual uh, biggest surprise from this year is actually F zero ninety nine. Oh, and it's not, I did not think that. Yeah, it's not. It's not that it exists because I know there was like kind of rumors and speculation about F zero ninety nine. It's just how much fun it actually is, and I I didn't expect to be 
it to be like one of my most played Switch games this year, uh, and a game that I keep going back to. And I'm telling you, there's just I, there's something about battle royals that's that's fun. Like I I really I do enjoy them to have that many players against me. But I think this is my favorite battle royale yet because hmm. you really feel like you're against those other hundred people. And it's just the chaos, and it's just like, it feels like when you come in 20th, you're like, wow, I really beat 80 people. And when you make someone blow <laughs> yeah. up, you're like, I really ruined that guy's race. <laughs> and it just, <laughs> it's, there's an intensity to it that's really, every race is super enjoyable. And I think um, the, the sad thing with it is, is that it's, it was really popular when it came out, I think it's still sort of popular, but the, playing it now, you get, your rooms don't fill up as quick, and you can tell that it's a little more bots in the room. Mm. So... In, I think some of these 99 games, and it's interesting, like I played Tetris 99, I played Mario uh, 35, which was kind of a 99 Battle Royale but with 35 players. They don't feel like they last forever. Uh, I don't see F-Zero 99 like, being popular in two years from now, just yeah. because it's, it's, it's like a contained experience, and I'm not sure if that's Nintendo's intent with these free games, um, but I would love to see this 99 uh, formula applied to the next F-Zero main release. Because I think it's completely shifted the way... It, it like it feels like this is the full realization of F-Zero in a weird way. Like Even GX, though, it's a beautiful game. It's amazing. One of my favorite games ever. You still feel like you're only playing against CPUs. And there's like a dumbness to that. And you're only racing 30 racers. It just doesn't have the same intensity as 100 racers. So... Mm-hmm. It feels like this kind of like it feels like it it's reached the vision of what that game could be. Almost the same way like Breath of the Wild feels like it reaches the vision of what a Zelda could have been. This it really feels like this is uh, at least scratching at it. I think if they do like a, a next gen nice graphics with a single player mode and campaigns and G, all that and add this as the side mode, it would be an exceptional exceptional game. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. Dude, so what? Yeah. yeah. What's your biggest disappointment from Nintendo in 2023? Um, so I had to go through all the games that I played this year to see if, you know, just looking at Nintendo games that I played. Um, I'm sure there are disappointments, like you, you might even talk about that you we didn't play. But the one that I actually played and did not love, it was okay, was Fire Emblem Engage. Um, mm. You know, I, I came off not liking Three Houses that much. Um, so I went into this hoping for, it looked like it was a bit more um, return to what I liked. Um, and again, I did enjoy the game, but it it really did fall kind of flat, and it became a little brain dead. And um, the combat just wasn't really intriguing. The maps weren't intriguing. It was just kind of like move your guys from point A to point B and win, win the fight. Like it wasn't like um, some of the older Fire Emblem games. They have a lot more map kind of um, I don't know what the word is like like objectives where it's like oh defend this or like get here in time or there's like a wall of fire moving towards you or whatever. Mm. Where this is very much like, oh, you have infinity turns, you just are moving towards, you know, the the endpoint boss of that map. Um, so that kind of, again, I, I like the game, but, you know, I, I am a big fan of Fire Emblem. In the past two have kind of been um, hype softeners for me. So now the next one that comes out again, I'm going to be a bit more hesitant to grab. Well, I think we've talked about this before with Fire Emblem. 
Um, but it feels like where they're where they're expanding the series and like you know adding to the series is not actually in the SRPG map battles themselves. Exactly. If anything, those seem to be getting simpler, and they're focusing on the side objectives, like the story and getting married and all the and this, stuff this, like that. The sim, the sim life stuff, yeah. Which, in in the weird, the funny thing to me is is Fire Emblem seems like one of those series that should only come around every three to five years. Like I, I don't get why we're almost on an annual Fire Emblem thing now. Um, I, I guess they sell well or something. Like they must sell pretty pretty well for I how think much. They're not that expensive to make. That's what I was gonna say for how much it costs to make. Yeah. Yeah, but it, there is certainly an element where, like, you know, if you keep making these games, they're going to feel a little tired. And I know they, they have a very strongly rumored, probably happening, it's a remake of another Fire Emblem called Genealogy of War. I think it's Final yeah. Fire Emblem 4. So, like, that's, like, basically leaked to the point where it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of like, do we need that many Fire Emblem games on, on Switch? <laughs> like, maybe. And we, and we got two Fire Emblem Warrior games on Switch. The thing I would say is I'm okay with... Um... If it's a remake of one of the older games and they kind of stick to that the old better maps, um, I'm more interested. But yeah, mm. I, I don't I don't think they're going in the right direction. And I, I agree. I, I find Fire Emblem just like over the top in my face these days. Um, you know, we have like yeah. eight we have eight characters in Smash Bros. that are Fire I Emblem. I know, yeah. We have four Fire Emblem games on the Switch. Um like it feels a little overrepresented when yes. when considering people don't play it that much like, like um, i find it crazy that there's you know again four fire emblem games i know two of them are the warriors games or whatever um but we have zero donkey kong games what donkey kong and mario minis or whatever comes out next year but you're right i mean i, I don't I, like again i think the way i think donkey kong requires a lot bigger budget <laughs> um yeah to make. for sure just because the, the style of that game but uh, and i also think we are getting another donkey kong at some point but um yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I, I, Fire Emblem seems overrepresented. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what, what um, was your uh, worst Nintendo surprise? So my biggest disappointment from Nintendo in 2023 was definitely the Splatoon 3 DLC. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was one of my favorite games of last year, and I played it a lot. I really enjoy the game, and I just feel like I they, they could have done a better job of sustaining the interest. Uh, I felt like Splatoon 2 did a really good job of sustaining my interest over the year by adding, frequently adding things, by adding the Octo expansion. Like, it pulled me back in a lot. Where with Splatoon 3, it feels like the levels and the, uh, like, the roadmap is too slow. And Mm. it was like, it felt like, you know, remember that whole mode they were adding that was like this whole brand new mode? And it was like, it felt like it only happened once. Remember that, like, uh, oh, like yeah. the special uh, Salmon Run mode? Yeah. Like, it was fun, and it only felt like it happened a few times. It felt like the uh, tricolor battles was just a flop and never really, like, developed. Like, I thought they were going to kind of improve Th- those on are that. Pretty, those were pretty sparse, too, though. It wasn't like they had them frequently. They were only during Splatfests. Yeah. And they felt broken, and they never really felt thick. So I never felt compelled to go back for any Splatfests. And the actual DLC that they've that they announced on day one of the game uh, has been extraordinarily lame. Like the like they released a oh you can go back to the first hub world. Like I'm not paying thirty dollars for that. And then they <laughs> yeah. announced the new. Finally, a year later, they finally show us the new Splatoon three story DLC. And it, it looks interesting, but like we said, it just feels too little too late. It doesn't feel like a significant story expansion. It feels like a score attack side mode or a tower yeah, defense like, style. It's thing. like a ro- it's like a roguelite or something. 
Yeah, and I'm sorry, like, if, for them to announce it coming this summer, like, either this summer I'm going to be playing Switch 2 or thinking about Switch 2, or I'm just I'm just going to be in that kind of mode where Switch is kind of in its twilight years and I'm probably not going to play $30 to fire up for a single mode in Splatoon 3. Like, I, I just, mm -hmm. I, it's just, um, it's too bad that that, they didn't plan that roadmap better. And I was under the assumption that because Splatoon 3 didn't really introduce any big new modes and was extremely, although well, good iterations, it was extremely iterative. Maybe the most iterative game Nintendo's ever made. And they didn't, I, I assume there'd be a roadmap. I assume they'd have lots of new Salmon Run levels or new modes or new catches. Or And, and although I love the game, um, and I will still play Splatoon 4 if it comes out. I just thought they, they needed to do better on the, the DLC roadmap, given the lack of new things added. That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah and, like, um, you know, what's funny is, like, the DLC will come in the summer, and then Switch 2 will be coming, and I guarantee, like, within six months, Switch 4 will, or Splatoon 4 will come out in the Switch 2. I don't know about that. I, I feel like Splatoon 3 will have... a I think deal, it'll be backwards compatible, so I think we'll actually wait maybe a significant chunk into Switch 2's life for Splatoon 4. We'll see. The first three have come out pretty close to each other. Yeah, but I think the... F no, the number two and three were pretty spread out. Uh, you know, it was it was a good four five five years. Okay. And Splatoon 1 and 2 was a bit different because, you know, the Wii U just flopped, and Splatoon 2 was almost like an expansion on the first one. Um, but I yeah. just don't see them coming out with a new Splatoon 4 without having some significant thing to sell us on. They can't come out and be like, okay, it's the three modes you love again with like a little bit of refinement. Like, that, no. That, that's how I felt about Splatoon 3, and you convinced me to get it, but like, that's exactly how I felt with Splatoon 3. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Splatoon 4 is, they're going to do the same thing because the games still sell like crazy well. Yeah. Um, and, but with Splatoon 3, um, I felt like those iterations were needed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it felt like Splatoon 2 didn't completely upgrade the way it should have. So Splatoon 3 kind of felt like the apex of the series. Where if they make a Splatoon 4, like, there's just... Marginal increases won't do as much for me this time. Like, you have to do a significant single-player mode or co-op modes or eight-on-eight eight players. Like, um, but I, I will say I still played a ton of Splatoon 3. Like, my hours on the game are very high and I, I really still enjoyed it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need to play a game forever to, to not hate it, you know? No, agreed. Especially at some point, every multiplayer game we play, we stop playing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, unless you're like a Fortnite person. Yeah, the people that live and breathe one game. But you know, every multiplayer game I've ever played, I put down eventually. So I'm not, I'm not upset. I, I felt like I got my money's worth out of Splatoon Three. Um, I think I would have played it longer, uh, like you said, if it had a bit more to it that was different or things that really drew me in or constant kind of. Um, new content like like you know mario kart 8 deluxe um, is a great example of i played it a lot on the on the wii u i played it a lot on the switch and you know i still played it with friends once in a while but when they dropped the new um booster packs or whatever i went back and played them on my own each time it brought me back in for another like six hours or whatever each time they came out yeah so there there is that kind of there's content there that really wanted me to be make me play it but i didn't get that feeling for splatoon 3 yeah and and i think the thing with splatoon uh is that it, i think it's fairly hamstrung by the hardware um because mm. they needed to run at 60 frames and i just don't think they can add more like i think with switch they weren't really able to like add a six on six or a, 
eight on eight mode or expand the levels or make things more extreme. Like it, it had to all be sort of contained. And I think out of out of a lot of the Nintendo franchises, I really feel like Splatoon is going to benefit from a, a power jump mm-hmm. uh, more than a lot of other series. Like I think Mario, 3D Mario, 3D Zelda, 3D Metroid, of course, but I think Splatoon is going to be that other series that gets that could potentially have a really awesome upgrade. I'd love to see like a Battle Royale mode or an 8 on 8 or I'd love a co-op campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much stuff that it can do. I love the controls and, and how that game works. It just feels like um, they need to just Pikmin for it, right? Add, add lots of new modes and stuff like that. Yeah, agreed. Um, Derek, what was your biggest non-Nintendo surprise in 2023? And I have a feeling we had the same thing. I have a feeling <clears throat> we, we didn't. <laughs> okay, what, what's yours? I have three i have two and then maybe a third but i'm my my first one which is the one that you might have the same as me is hi-fi rush yeah that's Um, fine (laughs) okay the other the other one i had that is um probably bigger than hi-fi rush is chance of sonar the indie language game i was telling you about um a while back and the other one that i again i'm still playing so i don't know if i would say it's you know the best non-nintendo surprise um but it's up there it definitely is in the running so is liza p so interesting okay yeah, Liza P um, came out, and I was excited for this to begin with. And, you know, if you look at the Metacritic prediction game that we play, a lot of people were kind of like, you know, it's an unknown studio. It's their first game. It looks like it's a clone of Bloodborne. It's not going to do well. It doesn't feel – the demo, people didn't say felt good. It came out, and people love it. It's like people are saying it's it's just an awesome game. It's the best, in my mind, the best Souls-like ever, um, maybe competing with Neo 2. It's just, it's phenomenal. Um, so that game kind of, even though I went in with high expectations, it actually met those expectations. And I'm who really, really the, enjoying who it. Who made Liza P? Oh, God. I don't know. Some, I feel like it's a Korean studio, but I, I'd have to oh, Okay, check. it's not like Namco or something. Um, no, no, I don't think so. Um, and Chance of Sonar is a game I just was reading about online. Uh, I heard in a podcast. I heard it on some forums. And um, I give it a go. It's it's one of my favorite puzzle games. Like it's probably my top ten puzzle games of all time. It's just wow. such it's just an awesome game. It's really inventive, and I've never played a game like it before. Um, really, really enjoyed it. So those two games, um, yeah, loving them both. I'm gonna have you talk about Hi-Fi Rush first because I just talked about these two. Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, the reason I put Hi-Fi Rush is because we literally did not. It, it was actually a surprise. Where mm-hmm. Liza P is more like you're kind of like, oh, it's surprisingly good. Well, that's, uh, we yeah, that's what, that's what I meant. Year. That's what I felt like with Pikmin Four versus Mario RPG. Like we're, I was surprised by Mario RPG. I was surprised by Pikmin 4's quality. I was surprised by Hi-Fi Rush. I was surprised by Lies of P quality. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Funny enough, none of the games this year really surprised me with the quality. Like, like I, I, I was hoping that uh, Tears of the Kingdom and 2D Mario and and Pikmin Four would be as good as they are, and they were. And I, I couldn't even say any of them surpassed my expectations because my expectations were so high. Uh, they met them, but but you've only Hi-Fi played you've like, only played so many games too. True, true. Um, but Hyper Rush, like even though I didn't beat it, it, it was a genuine unknown quantity. And it, when they announced it, I was kind of like, "What is this? This looks kind of weird." And then it was like coming out right now, and it's like really polished and really well made and really cool graphics. And I, I actually, it's one of the games on my list to like beat before the end of the year because I got halfway. And I, right at the point that I got halfway, like, it was starting to get really fun with using your partner buddies. And, like, it was like, oh, yeah. I felt like I was really connecting to the to the combo system. Um, but then Metroid Prime Remastered came out, and then I just, you know, all, all everything stopped. 
Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to revisit that. But I just, it just felt like a real biggest win Microsoft has had all year. And maybe ever uh, since Halo 1. <laughs> and it, it feels like they, um, it was just like, wow, this is a moment, Microsoft. Like, you don't ever do this. Like, you are, it, we're used to you announcing a game and showing us CG trailers for 10 years until it comes out and gets a 7.5. Where th- this is like, no, you you didn't. We had no idea this exists. It's from a studio that we had no idea was working on this or could break this kind of game. It's got a really bold style. I just think it's it's awesome, and I, I hope it gets. You know, I hope it. I hope it gets love. You know. Yeah, I, I think it did. I mean, at least critically. I mean, who knows about awards wise? Um, I don't really know what the sales were. I mean, it's on Game Pass. Um, yeah, Hi Fi Rush is awesome. Like. You know, we talked about it way back when it came out, but uh, fighting kind of action games like this, like a Devil May Cry style fighting game, really enjoy those. Bring in rhythm-based combat, combat that sounds awesome. And I agree. All I, I was really vibing um, with all the the combo systems and heroes and skills that you can, and like um, even just the enemy types. Like, there's just a lot of cool stuff happening. And I agree. High polish. I like the music. I like the graphics. Um, it's a, it's just a great package all all around. It was completely out of the blue, and I, and again, yeah. T- Tango is one of my favorite um, developers. I love the games that Tango makes, and this is like so out of left field for them. So I was like, well, I got to give it a ch- chance, and it might. I don't want to say it's my favorite Tango game because I, I really love Evil Within, um, but yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. Like Tango to me can't miss right now. Like they're all their games are are awesome. I hope they're making an Evil Within. There, there's already really cool. there's like a rumor confirmed of an Evil Within three. Like if that, if Microsoft announced that coming out next year, it'd, it'd instantly be one of my most wanted games of next year. But you didn't play Evil Within one or two. I played the first one, half of it. <laughs> so but it was just a little bit old, right? Uh, it was a little. I mean, it was old at that point, and and uh, I don't I'm know. Sure I, you, I don't. Did you play Evil Within two? Evil Within one is good because it's like so horror, even though it's janky. Evil Within 2 is like a really good Resident Evil 4 kind of game where it's like it's just more of a solid awesome game. Like you should play you should play Resident Evil, or the Evil Within 2. Yeah, I I, I mean I just don't I recommend it. I know, I recommended you like 15 times, but and I really liked what I was playing in the first one. I just sometimes with horror games they like get me into a corner where like I don't feel compelled to turn them on again cuz they frighten me. <laughs> uh <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I get to that point, I'm like, I don't know if I want to play that right now. Like, I don't want to feel stressed. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I like that, I don't know. But anyways, I mean, a, a next-gen version, it's it's different when it's like the game is new and you're kind of in the apex of the moment and, like, playing a game that's, like, 10 years old, right? So, mm-hmm. different, different vibe. Um, but, Derek, the final one is, what's your biggest non-Nintendo disappointment in 2023? Um... So this is interesting because this game still might make my top 10. So it's beaten other games as far as um, do I like it, but it's way, way let down um, compared to what I expected, which is Diablo 4. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm a huge Diablo fan. I uh, played Diablo 2 for like hundreds of hours. I played Diablo 3 for hundreds of hours. Diablo 4, um, I wasn't going to buy it all because I didn't love the beta. And then I got into the hype train uh, when it was releasing. I said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to buy it and just play it. Really enjoyed it um, until I got to, like, the end of the game. And, like, you can kind of see the, um, like, the feedback loop of how you how you play the end game. Got really boring really fast. 
And then the first season came out, which was really weak. I picked it up, tried to play it again, stopped really shortly. Season two came out, picked it up again, tried to play it. It, it, it. There's good stuff there, but there's so much good that's missing that Diablo three and Diablo two had that it's like, mm. how do they, how do they have such a huge glaring oversight on so many of these quality of life things or itemization or end game content or um, just, just obvious stuff. Maybe and it's just a little bit rushed, right? Maybe they should have just delayed it for an extra eight months. T- totally. And, you know, now there's rumors about this the expansion that comes out, uh, I think it's end of 2024, of uh, being super expensive. Like, I don't know if you saw that that form of it talking about... I did, yeah. It's like and it's like, or something. oh my god, like, I just blew a bunch of money on this game and it's whatever. And now you're, now you're going to fix all those issues and sell me, you know, a second game for it, basically. So... Again, I really like it. It probably will make my top ten because the the what I have played of it, um, I do enjoy it. Like I do find it's one of those games I do pick up and play a little bit, but I don't see it in the same echelon of as Diablo two, which is what it was kind of hyped to be. And mm-hmm. even Diablo three, I liked a lot more than this. Um, I think Diablo four in five years from now is going to be an amazing, amazing game that I'll love. Um, but right now, it's just kind of like. I'm just waiting for all these things to be fixed or added or improved on. Yeah, the thing, I, I I mean, I know recently they've been advertising this 40% sale on Diablo 4, and I've been tempted to just, because I, I want to play. I enjoy Diablo 3, not to the level of depth that other people do, but I played Diablo 3 when it came to Switch, like six years after it came out and had all the DLC, and it wasn't trying to uh, predatorily go after my FOMO or anything. And when it comes to Blizzard, it seems like they're just dangerously, dangerously dipping into microtransaction abuse territory. Um, So I don't think I'll ever participate in one of their games at launch unless they really change their studio structure because not interested in any of that crap. And they they clearly don't care about the goodwill they're losing on their brand. They just want to go after the whales. And I, I just can't support that. So... I'm looking forward to playing Diablo 4 on Game Pass uh, in two years where I do a romp through the single player with a friend, and that's it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be there to play with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that was my my, my biggest disappointment, I have two answers here. Uh, my first is Starfield. Mm. Um, I didn't, I didn't even I, play it, so... I just, yeah, what a disappointing game. What, I feel like they, they completely misrepresented what it was. Uh, I feel like it's painfully unfun, uh, and I feel like it's such a colossal miss for Microsoft. Um, where yeah, it's been know, hyped for hyped for years, right? For years, and I, I, it's what a disappointment to look forward to a big game from a big studio. And it's sad. A lot of people who are Bethesda fans, I, I see, are like, "Well, this is the worst Bethesda game I've played in years. Worse than Fallout 4." And it's like, well, and we. The sad thing is, it's not like we can wait for the next one coming in a year or two. Like, we got to wait five years for their next game, hoping that mm-hmm. they adapt. And I guess the only way I can relate to that disappointment is something like Skyward Sword, where it was like, yeah, well, this Zelda's not great, but we got to wait another five years for the next one. We've been waiting five years for this one. Um, but I feel like Skyward Sword was better received when it came out and more had bolder direction than this game did and it, was more focused it, on having fun. And again, I haven't played Starfield, so I can't comment, but even Skyward Sword. Um, which is one of my least favorite Zeldas, I still thought was awesome with some of the stuff they went for. Like some of the boss fights where you're actually like using the sword in, like as a, a motion controller. Yep. It's awesome. Some of the puzzles are awesome. Some of the dungeons are, are awesome. There are a lot of misses in that game, but it's like I don't go to, I don't look back on Skyward Sword and go, man, what a like wet fart. 
You know, it 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 was. I good. do remember when Skyward Sword came out and and feeling like I, I really enjoyed parts of it, but I, the flaws were there, and I, there was a sinking feeling of like, okay, this isn't the three D Zelda reinvention we've wanted so badly. Um, and I yeah. think it was the same feeling with 3D World a little bit when it came out. It's like, oh, this isn't the big 3D Mario reinvention we want. And um, I think that's maybe the same feeling people have with Starfield. But I think it it impounds extra because with something like, I, and I don't, I keep bringing up Skyward Sword because it's, it's for me a familiar feeling of disappointment from a studio that works for five years on a game and then doesn't have any other game for five years. But with Skyward Sword, it came out at the end of the Wii. And by that point, the Wii had already made its mark and had its Wii Sports and had its Wii Sports Resort and had its Mario Galaxy. Like, it had its moments, right? It was kind of like a, a, a softer swan song for the, for the, series, for the system. Mm-hmm. But with Xbox Series, it's like Starfield is the game that has been its, its, its apex it's, game. Yeah, really. it's like flag, flagship anchor game. Yeah. Exactly. And with, with Halo Infinite not being that game, and this game, disappointing after so much hype and so much time, it's really shows that this whole generation is, is a miss for Microsoft. And it's just too bad. And I just I don't see what game they're gonna have in the next year that's gonna be as big, hyped, and prominent as a Starfield that they could you know, at least Nintendo can be like, okay, yeah, this game wasn't great, but look to that coming out next year. I, I get like, the only this. thing I can imagine is you know, as far as uh, Xbox studios, you have Gears of War six. Um, which you know that game could get a lot of hype. Could could be awesome. Um, as Maybe far... if they do a God of War 2018 reinvention. But I'm, as far as I know, Gears of War Judgment, Gears of War Four, and Gears of War Five, as good as they are, I played them. I, I loved Five; was great. It's more the same. They are they're incredibly iterative, and they're just not exciting anymore. Yeah, I. Um... So I, I'm just I'm just running out of ideas. And um, the other thing was, you know, if you look at Bethesda. You know, machine gun games like um, they could pull out an awesome game of an Indiana Jones, or Tango could make the Evil Within three. That could be awesome. There could be a um, new Doom, new Doom, new Doom, yeah. And then you also have, you know, you do have Activision Blizzard King. Um, I don't really know what's on the horizon for Blizzard. It doesn't looks like they already have kind of their their main multiplayer games on the go, and Activision just says Call of Duty these days. So I don't really think much from there. But I think Bethesda has a few games that they could be, you know, 90 Metacritic score games. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, but the other, my other disappointment of 2023 is just a general <laughs> lack of a, a lack of game announcements that I'm excited for about the future, where I felt like 23... 23- wait, wait, wait. So 2023 has like the best games ever, but your your the biggest disappointment was just that you want more for 2024. Well, I guess it's just that there's no moment this year where a big game was announced, and I'm really excited for next year. Um, so it, because they all came out this year, they all came out this year. But it, it it I just feel like I I don't know I would have been nice if there was something like even a Switch Two tease or a Metroid Prime Four tease or. You know, uh, Last of Us Factions or Last of Us 3 tease or anything from Microsoft um, or a Resident Evil Code Veronica tease or a Resident Evil 9 tease or like, you know, knowing that Silent Hill 2 is going to be okay and come out next year. Game, Game like, Awards come, is this week, man. Yeah, we'll see. I think I think the biggest announcements that I saw for next year are Final Fantasy Rebirth and Paper Mario Thousand yeah. Door remake. Final Fantasy Rebirth is huge, um, so don't we shouldn't be underplaying that. I totally forgot about it though, and yeah. I 
you know, there is Capcom that's saying one of they're having a game coming out in the next by the end of this fiscal year that's going to sell millions. So there could be a monster I don't, game. I think that's going to be. I think they're talking about Dragon's Dogma too, aren't they? I thought they already said it wasn't Dragon's Dragon's Dogma. There's 2. no way that they have a game coming out before March that's not announced unless it's literally announced at Game Awards and it's like a huge surprise. But I don't see it. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just saying. Um, I don't see it. They usually their Resident Evils get at least a year announcement in advance. I, like I think there will be games coming out or announced at the Game Awards, um, and there are big games coming next year. There's not for us, right? Like one Prince of Persia. I don't know isn't huge, but that game looks awesome. But Tekken Eight uh, is coming out next year. Um, I'm just trying to think of other games. Path of Exile Two. It looks like it's poised to come out next year, which is going to be massive. Um, maybe Metal, Metal Gear Solid 3 remake might come uh, I'm sure they'll yeah. be great games it's just yes. uh, you guys it's just like you come off such a high year and it's just hard to I think the game awards really is the signifier of um, let's look at 2024 now because again we've had you know in fairness in 2023 we had, we were jam packed full of games where it'd be like kind of hard to focus on 2024 games even in October because a bunch of games in October and November came out that were like game of the year nominations worthy, right? So to focus on 2024 at that point, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa we're not done with 2023. Let's, let's like all those developers are saying, let's focus on our, the other big games we have coming in 2023. So I think we're going to get, I wouldn't say a blowout because I don't think there's going to be a, that, that much ammunition um, for 2024. But I think we're going to see some pretty awesome games um, shown or announced. I think we could see Wolverine. I think we could yep. see um, some of those Xbox games I just mentioned. Nintendo, I mean, I think we're just waiting for the Switch 2, in all honesty. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw one, not at the Game Awards, but I, you know, another Nintendo game coming out that's a release. They haven't told us, but it's actually going to be a release launch game for the Switch 2, but they'll show it earlier than they showed the Switch 2. Hmm. Um, so I, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of potential um, for the Game Awards. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be yeah. a million games, but I think I think you're going to be surprised and, and pleasantly pleasantly happy with how 2024 looks after this week. Let's hope. I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of high expectations, but uh, I guess we'll see in a few days. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just I want something that I'm really excited for next year, and right now there's not much. Prince of, per- Prince of Persia, Prince of Persia, I cannot wait for. I and I can't wait. I'm, Paper Mario is going to be great, and, and Switch um, Two. Switch Two is going to have at least one good launch game. So you know, there's one amazing Nintendo game that's going to launch. I, you know what? Switch. I'm not. I'm not even convinced Switch Two is going to come out next year. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I hope it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like turns out to be like you know holiday 2025. There's no way. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, Derek. Quickly, because we're running out of time here. Uh, I haven't really been playing very much, other than what I've talked about. Is there anything you want to talk about that you've been playing? Um, so, I mean, Mario RPG we already played, but I I finished Mario Wonder, so I beat it 100% of the game, and I also beat Jusant, uh, the climbing game, this morning. Okay, great. So, yeah, the past two days I beat both those games. Any uh, quick thoughts about them? Now, um, I mean, we talk about Wonder a lot, but any kind of revised thoughts of Wonder now that you've hundred percent of it? Yeah, definitely. My impressions definitely improved. You're right. Like the later levels get more fun, more zany, a bit longer, um, more challenging, more interesting. So the game has definitely gone higher in my scales. Um, do I love it to the point where it's like, oh, it's going to be top five on my list? Probably not. No, um, I think it probably will squeak into my game of the year top ten. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it is a really fun game, um, so yeah, it's, it's improved. Uh, Jusant, I I like. Um, it's a solid game. It's a great kind of 
um, journey-like um, feeling. I love the music. I love the the kind of spectacle of seeing it. It is a short game. Um, it doesn't really reinvent the wheel in anything. And you know, the, the games I'd compare it to, I like the other games more. Like I liked Abzu and I liked Journey more than I liked Jusant. And Grow Home as well is another game I liked more. I was gonna yeah. say the same thing. I didn't play that, but I, I, again, it's Jusant, awesome. It, it's a Jusant is a oh Grow Home like the the flying bird game, right? No, it's Girl Home's the game where you're a um, little robot who's climbing a beanstalk. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen that. I've never played it's, it though. I've never had a game that like since until Tears of the Kingdom. That game had like such a vertigo, you're high in the sky feeling that no other game captured till Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, that's cool. Um, anyways, I, I liked it. It probably won't make my game of the year list just because there's so many, but I still think it's a solid game for those that want to try it out. I I, I love Jason and I, I'm probably uh, probably two hours from the finale of it. But I did find the I find the fact that it's like a platforming style game. It, it's a little too restrictive and janky with some of the geometry. Mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of threw me off, and I've gotten stuck a few times. Like not stuck stuck because I like actually the character gets stuck on a chair and can't move, and I have to like wiggle the analog stick to get him off. Yeah, I had that. Um, so there's a little bit of jank there, but uh, yeah, it's a cool experience. Definitely like a strong seven out of ten. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I think Cocoon is my indie game of the year, bar none. Yeah, I think mine's Chance of Sinatra, probably. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, Derek, I guess next time we'll have some stuff to talk about. We'll have the Game Awards. We'll have GTA 6. We'll maybe have some other new games we've been playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it has been a good chat, Derek. Thanks for coming. Yeah, sounds good. This is Derek. See you later. This is Peter, signing out.